Good morning, Shepherd's Gate. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. The psalmist says, praise the Lord in his sanctuary, praise him in the mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power, and praise him for his surpassing greatness. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It's good to be with you this morning, and as you can deduce, I'm not Pastor Tim, but I've been graciously invited to join with you on your journey as you go through the book of Romans under the theme of the present and the tense. And so this morning, I'm going to speak from the theme, the illuminated life. But before we do that, let's just take a moment to pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are always at work in our life. We thank you that you work grace and mercy and your kindness and your love. And so we pray that this morning, that again, you will remind us that our sins have been separated from us as far as the east is from the west because of your grace, because of the work of your son, Jesus Christ. So may we die in order that you might live in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our scripture for this morning is taken from Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 21. In it, Paul writes these words. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil, anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This morning, uh, we are continuing on through this amazing series that you are going through in the book of Romans. And as I considered this theme for this morning, I realized that one of the unspoken disciplines for a believer is the idea of living intention, living intention. And so tension arises in our life when oftentimes that there is this uh, barrier between our potential and our purpose. And this, this tension occurs because oftentimes we may possess potential, but our purpose may give us pause. And the reason why the purpose will give us pause is because we prefer that which is easy as opposed to that which is exhausting. And so at times in our life, we will understand and recognize that there is a tension, the tension of knowing one thing, but believing another, the tension of believing or be, uh, of believing one way and behaving another, the tension of heading in a direction and yet being distracted or heated by distractions. Divine tension often arises in our life when God gives us an instruction, which at first glance appears to be unattainable. However, God always presents to us an assignment which he can accomplish through us because if he commanded it, we 
can accomplish it. We can complete it. See, this is why God told Cain in Genesis chapter four. He said to Cain, Cain, sin is crouching at your door, but you must master it. He wanted him to know that no matter what is moving in and around your life, that you are greater than that thing that is in your life. This is why he told Moses, he said, Moses, go and bring out of Egypt, the nation of Israel. And Moses led them out, not by his might, but by God's might. This is why he told Joshua to walk around Jericho and the walls would fall down as he entered into the city. This is why later on Paul would declare in Romans chapter six, he says, do not allow sin to control your, your, your mortal life. He said, you need to make sure that don't let sin reign in your life, because even though you have sin in your life, you have the Holy Spirit, which is more than able to give you the power to overcome. And then we read later on in Mark chapter nine, verse 23, Jesus said, all things are possible to the one who believes. So oftentimes the reason why we do not see success is because we self-sabotage. And so God helps us to understand that there is a tension in the present because the present is real. And yet, even though we know that we have real struggles, we also have a real savior. And because we have a real savior, champions can handle challenges. Are there any champions out there this morning? And so here we are right now in the midst of our country. And there are challenges that have arisen in the past several weeks. The murder of George Floyd uh, by a police officer who was kneeling on his neck all of a sudden was one of the was a straw of many straws that began to ignite what we understand as indignation. In fact, the shedding of Georgia's blood was in some way uh, something that produced both a, a, a national and a global outrage over the proverbial what we call protracted long night of historical and systematic injustice, inequity, and racism. It has created tension, tension uh, among individuals, among institutions, and even across industries. It has created tension among families and even on Facebook so that even if you have family, people have lost their family members, not because of death, but because of disagreement. And then we recognize that we have had seen tension in our communities, but even more tension in our churches. But for the first time in a long time, I believe what has happened is this, is that enough eyes have been opened or for a better word, have been illuminated. See, the illuminated life is a life in which we see what God sees. The illuminated life is where righteous people do the right thing. An illuminated life is a faith life. And so make no mistake that as we're looking at all of these issues, that these issues are not uh, political issues, that these are kingdom issues. Kingdom issues because the king made each and every one of us valuable in his sight. And so whenever there is a kingdom issue, it will always require a kingdom power. And so this is what Paul was seeking to convey to this multi-ethnic congregation here in the book of Romans. This congregation was existing in the Roman Empire doing what we understand as a persecution under Nero. And so as Paul spoke of the conflict that was going on around in the, the, the community and in the culture, he had the confidence to believe that God would give them the power through the Holy Spirit to, the, to respond in the way that they needed to respond. 
And so we need a faith today. We need a faith like this faith that Paul shares. We need a faith that can celebrate the emerging and growing multi-ethnic context without in any way criminalizing it or demonizing it. We need a faith that sees what God sees, a faith that believes what God says. And, in, and what God says is this, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that it is a faith that says that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine if we lean on him and if we trust in him. It is a word that God says to us whereby he says, if you believe this, that if God be for you, who can be against you? Nothing will be impossible in our life. And so he calls for us to live this, this, this life of illumination. And so when we talk about the illuminated life, I'm just going to share with you just a few expressions of what the illuminated life looks like as we look here in Romans chapter 12. First of all, the illuminated life is a faith that lives in community. See, people of faith have been called out of their separateness, out of their fragmented, out of their sense of individualism and called into the community whereby God is the head of the community. We were called from the broken community of sin and brought into the beloved community of God. And so a community is formed by what we have in common. We have a common grace, a common love, a common forgiveness, a common hope. And that same community is also a community that owns those things that are standing before it. And so Jesus came into a global human community and chose to own the curse called sin. And so in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul says, he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. In other words, get this, Jesus took ownership of something, uh, or took ownership of circumstances and conditions that affected us. And he said that if it affects you, it also affects me. So here Paul says in Romans chapter 14, Romans 12, verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. And so here was Paul seeking to build community among the ethnic groups that were in the church in, in, in Rome. He wanted them to understand that they belonged to a faith community, which was greater than all of the other communities that they lived in. But in order to have community, we must be willing to say it's not just you, it's us. It's not just you, it's us. And so here, as we look at this verse, he says, bless those who persecute you. But I want you to understand this, that the pronoun here in the Greek used for you, it is not singular. It is plural. And so you say, well, what does that mean? Well, it means this is that whenever we understand that he says that it's plural, he wants us to understand that when they persecute you, they persecute me. Whoever that they is, that there is this idea that we are connected together by a common blood, a common identity and a common grace. And so if someone persecutes you, they persecute me. That's why Dr. King stated, he said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And so bullying against anyone is bullying against me. Racial profiling against me is racial profiling against you. Discrimination against those who are in the LGBTQ community is also discrimination against me. And even the idea that sexism against a woman is an affront to me because it's all about community. 
Jesus expanded and brought in the idea of community when he declared, whatever you did to the least of these, you did it to me. And so illuminated life, first of all, is a faith that lives in community. Secondly, the illuminated life is a faith that parks in pain, that parks in pain. See, when you are a person of faith, you understand that life is not about getting, it's about giving. It's not about who you beat, it's how you were help, who you were able to make better. It's not about the people that you uh, were able to leave behind, it's about the people that you lifted up. It's not about the people that you surpassed, but it's the people that you stopped for in your life. You see, what separated Jesus from the Sanhedrin in the synagogue is that he was willing to stop. How many of you are willing to stop when you understand that there are others who might be hurting? So Paul said, because we understand this, you may not have caused the pain, but you may possibly be the cure to pain. And so Paul says it here in Romans chapter 12, verse 15. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. One of the reasons why the synagogue leaders despised Jesus is because he dared to park instead of passing by. See, while the religious leaders were controlled with trying to control people with fear, Jesus was wanting to free people with faith. And so he parked in people's pain. And so in Luke chapter 19, he parked in Zacchaeus' house, who was a tax collector. He parked in his house, and the Bible says that Zacchaeus came to faith. In John chapter 8, we read about how Jesus stopped in the street to keep a woman from being stoned when, she, when he made sure that before you stone her, you need to find the one man that she was also supposed to be committing adultery with. And then we, we look in Luke chapter 23, and there's Jesus, and he's pausing in the midst of his pain in order to comfort a, a thief that is condemned on the cross. His whole life, was given and determined and the idea was dedicated to making sure that he parked in people's pain. Because we understand this, that a gospel that will not park in people's pain is passive and pointless. So this gospel message is how Jesus can walk people out of their graveyards and walk them out with grace and assure them that no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done, no matter what has transpired in their life, that grace is more than sufficient for their life. <coughs> and then we look and understand finally that the illuminated life is a faith that rises in power. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to give us power. It's throughout the word of God. It's throughout all the scripture that we see that he sent the word of God in order to give us power. And so when we read in Luke, as he's leaving the disciples, he told them to stay in the city until they receive power from on high. And in fact, in John, he told them, he said, you need to make sure that you wait because I'm going to send the counselor because I'm not going to leave you alone as orphans, but he's going to come and give you power. Why did he encourage and say to you that I'm going to leave you with power? Because he wanted to make sure that they would know that they could go through life and face life not being overwhelmed or overcome. And so in Romans 12, 21, here is Paul saying, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul said, overcome. Some of you are familiar with this, but years ago in the civil rights movement in the 50s and the 60s, that often those who are protesting would sing, we shall overcome. 
They sang it because they recognized that in spite of how dark things were in their life, that they believed that God was going to cause the light to break forth in their life and for them to be able to be delivered from all that they were experiencing in their life. They, they, they recognized that the only way that they were going to be able to get out of this is that God would have to do something beyond their ability, beyond their power, beyond their influence, because they recognized that they did not have the power in and of themselves. But they knew that there was a God who was sitting up high and looking down low. And that God who had given power to Jacob could give power to them. That God who had given power to David could give power to them. That God who had given power to Saul and Paul would also give power to them. And so we recognize that the word overcome is a powerful word. Paul says that we ought to overcome. The word for overcome in this verse is nikau, which is from the word, which is the word that we get from Nike, which means just do it. It means this, that it calls for us to be militant and to be engaged in warfare. And so Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul spells out the picture of warfare in the believer's life. Paul says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But it is against rulers, against authorities, against spiritual powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And he, so he says the only way to fight darkness is with light. See, you can't fight darkness with darkness. You can't fight hate with hate. You need to have a light that can break through the darkness because light will always be greater. And that's why Jesus is referred to in John chapter one. He says that that the light came into the darkness and notice what John said, and the darkness was not able to overcome it. I'm here to let you know that just as Jesus is the light of the world, in Matthew, he's told us that you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so in the midst of conflict, in midst of the upheaval, in midst of all that we're seeing today, God says to us that you are to be the light. And so let your light shine, Shepherd Gate. Let it shine in, in, in Macomb County. Let it shine down 24, 23 miles. Let it shine among your neighbors and among your family members. Let it shine in the church and outside the church. Let it shine on your job and on Facebook. But whatever you do, make sure that the light of Jesus Christ shines out of your life. <clears throat> and so he gives to us this amazing opportunity to allow for our light to shine in the midst of darkness. I'm excited about how you're walking. I'm excited about Pastor Tim and the staff, the faculty here, um, the leaders of Shepherd Gate committed to being able to walk with Christ to have a faith that demonstrates community, a faith that will park in people's pain and a faith that continues to rise in power, even in the challenges that come in your life. And so I want to continue to encourage you and bless you to know that what God started in your life, that he will bring it to finish. May God continue to just send forth his power and authority so that your light will shine, so that all may know and see and declare that there is a God and that God is love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a God who moves mountains, who's able to pull down giants. We thank you, Lord God, that even when the world is in chaos, you are our cornerstone. And so we pray now today, let us lean on you. Let us trust in your word. Let us trust in your power. Because you said it's not by might nor by power, but it will be by your Holy Spirit. 
So bless this congregation, bless the leaders, bless the people, bless their desires and bless their dreams and hopes as you allow them, Lord God, to be a light in this community. We thank you, Lord God, and we thank you for eyes being open, for hearts being soft, and for lives being changed. Be glorified in and through all that we will do. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.